Hello there, welcome to PTI Australia. Hope you had a great Easter and you got plenty of Easter eggs and hot cross buns. Tonight, our special episode of the show, we're going to catch up with some of the biggest names in Australian sport, including one of the most popular league players in the past decade or so, and a very popular man with the ladies, Craig Wing, who's playing rugby in Japan. The ageless Craig Wing, mm. I might say. I sit down with the it girl of Australian sport right now, the multi-talented duel in the national, Elise Perry. And I kick things off with the biggest name of all, Shane Warne, getting his thoughts on the state of Australian cricket, the Ashes and plenty more. Nathan Lyon, is he the man? Is he at the stage where you'd say this is Australia's spinner? To me, I was hoping Nathan Lyon, I think everyone hopes that Nathan Lyon will be the man. Yeah. Um, I think he's shown some pretty good signs uh, in his early part of his career. I think that he's got the attributes there. I just, I, I, I was just disappointed what we've seen so far here in India. But you've got to admit, you know, all of us spinners have been a Murali, you know, arguably one of the best spinners of all time. Myself has done okay. I think he averages 47 with the ball in India, and I average 43 in the ball in India. So it's tough work for spinners. So we can't expect too much. Is it unfair then? the Indians preparing the wickets like the dust bowl that we've seen so far or is it just part of cricket now? No, not unfair at all. You know no. what you're going to get when you come to India. You've got to learn to try and adapt to it. The thing of we've got is inexperience. There's a lot of guys haven't played a test match on conditions like that so it was foreign, completely foreign to them. So they're going to have to learn the hard way and that's what the thing about international cricket over a long period of time is you have to adapt to all conditions. And that's why you need a, a, an attack to take 20 wickets with variety. You need a few spinners and that's why the top six batsmen you can have one or two that can bowl a bit of spin. It just helps. You know, we were very lucky when we were number one in the world to have guys like Mark Wall that could bowl mm. a bit of spin. Or other times we had Matthew Elliott that could bowl a bit. You know, Greg Blewett could bowl some seam. Steve Waugh could bowl a little bit. So we're very lucky that we had a lot of our top six batters could bowl a bit of something, which helps you with that variety and uh, composition that can take 20 wickets. Well, how many tests are they going to win then? Out of the Ashes series particularly. Five over there, five in Australia. Are they yeah, going to win? It's, it's bit... win more than they lose? Are they going to win either series? <sighs> it's very hard to tell right at this stage because you don't know who's fit, who's not. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard, you know, three, four, five months out from it all to work it out. But, you know, I am a betting man. I like a little bit of a punt like most Aussies. We all like a bit of a, a punt on things. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, I, I'm passionate about Australian cricket and I love Australian cricket. And I think that's why a lot of us ex-players are frustrated at the moment for what we see it's happening. I don't think they can win the Ashes series at the moment. That hurts me to say that. I want your opinion on something. Who is the best player in the world right now, 2013? Uh, the best player right in the world right now... Best, uh, I'll tell you what. The best batsman in the world right now is either Amla, Hashim Amla from South Africa, Alistair Cook from England, or Michael Clark. I'd probably just lean towards Michael Clark because of his ability to play spin bowling and on the different conditions we've seen a great hundred in India in the first test match we saw three hundreds and he's gone on had an unbelievable year so I'd probably just go for Michael Clark but Hashim Amla and Alistair Cook are fantastic too they're the best batsmen the best bowlers in the world at the moment I'd say the best spinner is Graham Swan yep and the best fast bowler would be Jimmy Anderson if you were playing uh, Shane how would you be preparing for this upcoming Ashes tour what would you be doing say to, to make sure you were absolutely 100% ready to go? Well, I think the one thing that England are going to test us with their fast bowlers, they've got great swing. I think one of the things, the keys for us, for Australia to beat England, is how we're going to handle the swinging ball, because that's, you know, we, as you 
as young players, you don't experience these conditions. The juke ball swings and seams for a long period of time. Um, they're spinners in Graham Swan and Monty Panesar. They spin the ball, they're good, so they've got variety in their attacks. So the preparation would have to be how you handle the swinging ball, how the, the faster bowls can make it go reverse for a long period of time. They're one of the things that we'll be working on. Um, for the batsmen, it's all about, it's just, they just have to bat for long periods of time. Patience. Yeah, they, they need that pace. They have to bat and it, occupy the crease, put a really high price on the wicket, but they have to be prepared to attack too and put some pressure on the bowls and not just hope they're going to do well. It's got to come from a confident place too. So for me, the top order is super important. Our, our things, our problems are we have got to know what our best team is and try and stick with it. You were a part of the era that won 16 test matches in a row. Do you think it'll ever be beaten? Very hard to win 16 in a row. Uh, we, were, you know, we had a purple patch there where it was unbelievable to win 16 in a row. Um, I don't think it can happen again. I really don't. I just think there's so many different elements that can come into it. There's, I don't think there's any standout team in the world at the moment. I think South Africa and England are better than the rest. There's not much between those two. Then I think India, Sri Lanka, Australia, and probably Pakistan are sort of in a bit of a clump. Um, I don't think there's a standout side that are dominating at the moment. I think anyone can beat anyone uh, at home and away from home. I, I can't see too many teams beating anyone. Australia did unbelievably well a few years ago to beat South Africa at, in South Africa. So you know, I think most teams, what you're going to see is have a good record at home and really struggle away. And 16, you mentioned once before about it being a winning environment. I suppose you just turned up and said, just keep doing this. We're just, And they were scared of you almost when you were at your best. Well, I think we created an aura and we had an aura about our team that no matter what the conditions, we proved we could do it. And we had the different people we had big hitters, we had guys that occupied the crease, we had flair, we had guys that could adapt to different situations, we had you know, economical bowls, we had pace with Brett Lee, Jason Gillespie, McGrath, we had a well-balanced attack, we had variety. So, you know, that's a, it was a golden generation. I don't think it's fair to compare sort of what, have we, what we had, I think it's about appreciation yeah. what we had. And when uh, you're winning, you're tight as well. Yeah, right? and when you're winning, your mates, and that, it's not, you know, not all of your mates, like I didn't get along with some of the guys in the side. And I didn't really hang out after hours with them as well. But that didn't mean we didn't have respect for each other uh, when we stepped on that line or when we got in, into a contest together, you know, would watch each other's back all the time. We've got 2020, one-day cricket, four-day cricket and test cricket. Is, can they all survive? In, in a perfect... Well, let's hope they can. You know, I, test cricket's still got to be the ultimate and there's a place for one-day cricket and there's a place for 2020 cricket. I, you know, one-day cricket to me, we've tried so hard to do... to put so many different laws and rules in place that it's become so regulated that's pretty boring to watch these mm. days. So I would actually go the complete opposite and deregulate it. No rules whatsoever. Besides, you know, 50 overs, five bowlers, bowl a maximum of 10. Easy. As far as field restrictions and everything else go, put them where you want. There's no other rules. There's no power plays. There's no anything like that. Go out there. If you want to put everyone on the fence, so be it. Mm. You know, that means they're going to score eight, ten and over from ones and twos all yeah. the time. So deregulate the whole game and make it interesting. Let the captain show some flair with the fields. Let them do whatever they want. And that, and that I think, will actually bring back one-day cricket. 2020, we've just got to keep it as less is more. I know you're a massive fan of AFL football <laughs> and St Kilda. If I gave you one to pick from, St Kilda winning the flag in 2013 Ooh. or Australia winning the Ashes, what would it be? Australia winning the Ashes. I have to. I have to have the Australia winning the Ashes because. St Kilda, being, no hope of winning the flag. <laughs> well, I think. Well, being engaged to a, a pom, 
I have to, uh, it's good in the household to actually be able to give it to the English and we always love giving it to the English. So I'd say the Ashes, but I, th I think St Kilda have missed their chance about a premiership. Mm. We've lost Goddard, he's a great utility player. Um, I, I just think we might have missed our window. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I, I spent a bit of time with the Saints boys this year going in and speaking to them and they're pretty raring to go and they're pretty pumped. But I just, I just think we might have missed our window. But us Saints and St Kilda supporters are passionate and we always believe we can do a 1966 and win again. Uh, what's the side bet on the Ashes, by the way? Is it uh, any particular <laughs> side bet between you and Elizabeth? Um, not yet, but I'm sure we'll come up with something. <laughs> if I need some help, I'll ask you, Russell. Good man. <laughs> Joining me on this PTI Australia special is Dual International for Australia. Would you believe both in cricket and in football? Welcome, Elise Perry. Hi, Sam. Thanks very much. Now, uh, you've been playing since 16. You're only 22. You must feel like a veteran. <laughs> um, <laughs> not quite yet, but um, yeah, it's certainly been been nice. I think over the last six years or so to, to have an opportunity to, to have so many great experiences on an international level with both cricket and soccer, and um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been nice to, I think, you know, learn so much along the way too. And, and I think you know you probably never truly feel comfortable um, in that environment, but certainly feel more accustomed to it now. Anyone with sporting aspirations invariably wants to play for their country. That is the pinnacle. But to do it as a dual international, I mean, so I can understand dual internationals in, 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 uh, in the same sport like rugby union, rugby league, but in two such diverse uh, disciplines, like in cricket and in football, how does that develop? <laughs> um, I suppose inadvertently, um, when I was growing up, cricket was always a sport I played in the summer and, and football was what I played in the winter. And I think you know, I just carried on playing those for uh, basically forever, I suppose, um, in the sense that I just I always enjoyed both and, and didn't have a favourite and always wanted to be involved in both. And I was very fortunate to have um, you know, the support of both cricket and football to allow, allow me to continue playing. Must be terribly hard juggling both sports, I mean to say. There must come a time, surely, because of scheduling or whatever, when the governing bodies either say, pull you aside and say, now choose one or the other. <laughs> well, yeah, look, I certainly have the easiest job in just playing the sports. And, um, yeah, it's thoroughly enjoyable for me and, and just fantastic to be in that position. But, yeah, I think, yeah, by no means is that... Um, you know, being able to happen unless I had the support by, from both you know, cricket and football, but also my family and friends. And they've made it incredibly easy for me um, up until this point. And yeah, I think you know, for as long as it's possible, I'd love to be involved in both. And you know, if that does become a reality where I need to make a decision or, or change what I'm doing, then yeah, I think that's something that I'm, I'm willing to accept. But at this point in time, it's been really wonderful. So how competitive is women's cricket? Oh, look, I think it is really competitive now and, and that's probably was typified by the game that we played against the West Indies, which was our World Cup final. Yeah, um, it was a World Cup final. Yeah, and I mean, in the past, that's the first time West Indians have ever made the final in women's cricket. And, you know, in the past, it's always been um, teams like New Zealand or India or England, um, typical powerhouses, I suppose, in the world of cricket. But, um, you know, for the West Indian girls to, over the last four years or so, um, come along and improve in the way that they have. And you mentioned someone like Deandra Dodden, who is just a, a powerhouse in our game. Oh. And, uh, terrifying to bowl to because she, <laughs> she hits it so hard. I fear for my life most of the time. But um, yeah, it's been a, a really great progression for women's cricket, and it's so competitive now that we have so many teams. Now tell me, what about sledging on the footy on the uh, field? <laughs> now we hear so much of it in men's cricket. Uh, what about women? Is it? Um, look, it's all relative, but I do actually have the, the pleasure of playing with Ian Healy's niece, who's our hit keeper. Um, so, uh, look, I think there's a certain family well, trait that have been passed down. 
Is there a bit of it going on? Uh, I think in a very competitive spirit, yes, but um, yeah, probably slightly different to, to the way the men go about it. Now, you're an all-rounder in cricket. What do you prefer, batting or bowling? Uh, I've been more of a bowler in our, in our side at the moment, but I certainly enjoy batting and it's definitely easier on the body. And what's been the highlight of your, obviously, World Cup final? Would that be the highlight? Uh, yeah, we've, I've been fortunate enough to be involved in a few World Cup wins now with um, the Southern Stars, the Australian women's cricket team, and that's been really tremendous. And I also was fortunate enough to go to um, to the World Cup with, with football in 2011, and um, that was over in Germany, which mm. is kind of akin to how fanatical um, India are about cricket. Uh, German, German people absolutely love their football, so that was a real, real highlight as well. Now, you had to miss the final of the W League because of your cricketing commitments. Was that hard to... Um, yeah, I, I missed the W League final um, to, to head over to India with the World Cup uh, cricket. And, yeah, it was, it was a really tough one, but sort of just didn't quite pan out you know, perfectly in that instance. But it was really nice. My team, Sydney FC, won the finals. Now, tell me, when you see some of the salacious wage packets that are handed out to some of these <laughs> internationals, and I know women's sport, they don't get all that much money. Do you view that with a touch of resentment? Is there a tinge of resentment there? No, I, not at all. I think, you know, firstly, what the, ma the male um, players do is quite incredible and they provide a huge amount of entertainment and enjoyment. Do they? I've been watching the last tour of India. I tell you what, I've been unentertained. <laughs> Look, if you find that entertaining, we've got a, it's a philosophical reason. issue here. <laughs> I don't think anyone enjoys watching Australian teams get beaten, but look, I think yeah, what's really appealing to me in, in our landscape at the moment is the opportunity to have other options outside of sport. And you know, all the girls that I play with either work full time or are studying to you know be in positions where they can start a career outside of sport. And I think, you know, for me personally, I, that's a wonderful balance to have, and I think it gives you a really great perspective on life in general as well. And what are you doing outside of sport? I know that. Uh Academia is very much at the forefront. Yeah, I'm studying um, an a degree in economics and social sciences at uh, Sydney University at the moment. So, uh, studying what? Uh, economics and social sciences. You'd have great difficulty finding a partner in Australia, <laughs> then I would suspect. <laughs> yeah, I have difficulty saying it. <laughs> <laughs> and tell me, uh, the Ashes series just around the corner, but at the same time as the men's over in London, over in uh, the UK. Yeah, you'd be is. ready for that. Uh, that's that's the aim. Yeah, so. Uh, that's the plan. That's the plan. <laughs> Let me tell you, I could love to keep talking to you. You're a great ambassador for this uh, country uh, and may you continue doing what you do. And uh, let me tell you, you are an absolute inspiration to a lot of others. So thank you very much thanks for so joining much. us on uh, PTI. Oh, thanks, Sam. Hang about. There's more to come on this PTI special right after this break. Welcome back to this PTI special. Ladies, take a deep breath. He hasn't been seen on our TV screens for some time, but look at the face of Craig Wing. It hasn't changed a bit. Have you been in some sort of time warp? Uh, no, I've just been over in Japan, actually, which is could be quite a, a kind of a similar thing. You, mate, welcome back to Australia, first up, and you're back here for a little hiatus before yep. you uh, join the Japanese national team, which uh, must be a real feather in your cap. Yeah, that's right. I, I, we finished our season probably three weeks ago and I'm back here for an end-of-season break, but just over the last couple of weeks I found out that I was named in the Japan national squad, so a new challenge, something I'm really bit looking forward to. Bit of a thrill? To. Yeah, it's a big thrill. Uh, it'll be a big good, good opportunity to be part of a, a really professional environment again. Strength and conditioning guy is really good, he's an Australian guy. And the coach is uh, Eddie Jones, yes. who has, has quite a good track record as well. We haven't really heard much, but you've been playing there for a number of years. Yeah, I just finished my third season. And it's been a great experience over there. 
uh, but three years is quite a long time. And every time I come back, so much has always changed, yeah. but so much stays the same. But uh, so much has changed in terms of the game, and so much stays the same yeah. in terms of the controversy. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You're exactly right there. And there's always new faces that uh, that are popping up, especially in rugby league. Do you miss rugby see. league? Not so much when I'm away, but the the second because I don't get too much of it over there in Japan. But the second I watch it when I'm back here, I get uh, I miss it a lot. I get very very jealous of the guys that are running around and playing. And yeah, I just miss everything about rugby league. Well, the TV deal, the billion dollar TV yeah. deal, does it extend to coverage in Japan, or is there no coverage at all of Australian rugby league over there? No, they uh, there is no rugby league in Japan, and most Japanese players have probably never even heard of it. That's why I get a bit of a chuckle when I read the Australian media with uh, Aussie guys coming off contract and they say that there's a big rug uh, there's a big deal in Japan uh, because there's really not that many spots over there and, and the Japanese clubs follow all the super rugby and they want all the super rugby guys, especially the internationals. So you can quite categorically say that if someone says that we've got a deal from Japanese rugby on the table that it's highly unlikely. Why is that? Well... There's a number of factors. I guess, firstly, you're only allowed two foreign guys on the field at the same time. So you can have more in your squad, but only two on the field. Yeah, only two on the field, and, and the rest have to be Japanese guys. And the, the other problem is that all the, the Kiwis and the Springboks and you know, even some Wallabies, they all want to get over there. Yeah. And they've got to fill those two spots. And the Japan rugby teams, they want, they want those big, big, big names, names yeah. because they want to pay the big dollars for them. And that really leaves no, no space for, for rugby league guys who they've probably never heard anything about. So Willie Mason and uh, others like it have said, going to Japan rugby, not really going to happen, is it? Not really. It's no. not really going to happen. But and you got in there on a different rule, though, didn't you? Yes. Well, the lucky thing for me was that I've got an Asian passport. So part of the rule is you're allowed two foreign guys on the field plus one Asian player. Yeah. And because my mum's Filipino, I've got a Filipino passport. I was able to go in as a um, as the Asian player. Yeah, and and do you like it over there? I mean, uh, you say that there's not much outside of uh, rugby in terms of sport, or at least against rugby league. But yeah. is it a good place to live? Yeah, it's great. It's totally different to Australia, which was the experience that I was looking for. Uh, and it's it's such a like all the cities in Japan are just so big. They make Sydney look like a country town. Yeah, and you can you can you can get lost amongst the mass over there. Uh, it, it's Are you great, famous? Do you get stopped no, in the street? Not at all. No, not, not one bit. I'm just, uh, I'm a company worker in the human resources department of Please. Kobe Steel. What do you do there? <laughs> uh, well, I just train. Uh, it's just training. It's it's full time, but on my whenever I have some spare time, I like to try and get out and travel and have a look around. And you you told us um, just in in chatting that. There's an interesting way and a rule that uh, wouldn't apply in rugby league here about getting to and from training. Yeah, some some teams have certain company policies. Yeah. And a team that I played for, they, their company policy was you weren't allowed. This was when I f first came from Australia and went to Japan. Company policy was that you weren't allowed to drive to training. training or you weren't allowed to drive to anything to do with, with the company. So as a result, I would have to ride my bike to the train station and catch a train <laughs> to the training ground, two stops to the training ground and then walk. And then oh. on game day, I would have to put my suit on, walk to the bus stop, catch a bus to the train station, catch three trains to the station near the field and then walk from the train station near the field to the field. 
play the game and then do the reverse. Oh, I is, want that in the NRL. That uh, is the rule I want brought that, into that, the NRL. That was a really big shock to the system, especially coming from... There's no trains at Manly. And the bus <laughs> stops at Warringah Mall. Yeah, well... <laughs> Luckily, in Japan, particularly in Tokyo, the public transport system is immaculate. It's it's really, really good. It's so reliable. And mm. can... Okay, let's get, just quickly go back. Um, South Sydney, the Roosters, Premiership with the Roosters. Yeah. Um, do, you still, do you still cheer for South? I mean, yeah. big year this year for South Sydney. You yeah. feel that they've got their best opportunity. Well, in all honesty, I, I cheer for the Rabbitohs and the Roosters. Yeah. Um, it's good to see South Sydney doing well. It's been, you know... Of late, you were there for the for when they got kicked out of the comp. Yeah, that's right. When I was uh, when I was a young guy, I was I supported South Sydney my whole life, and it was a big honour for me to to be able to say that I played first grade for South Sydney, and then they got kicked out of the competition. So to see where they are at today, I think is a great thing, and it's it's really good for rugby league. As they say, when South Sydney is doing well, rugby league is doing well. Yeah, that's certainly the case, and their best opportunity for a long time is this year, isn't it? Yeah, they watching them play the other the other week. It's uh, you know, they finished off the season quite well last year and they seem to be just rolling on with that form and they've got a really, really good team with really good depth. Mm. And most importantly, they seem to have an awesome forward pack. Yeah, it'd be nice to see you outside uh, Greg Inglis at one stage. <laughs> Craig, look, lovely to catch up with you. Uh, it'd be great to see you back in the NRL, whether, yeah. you, whether it happens or not. Oh, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> Craig Wing, uh, one of Australia's greats and now a dual international uh, if he uh, gets a starting spot, which I'm sure he will with the Japan Rugby Union team. We'll take a break. More of the best of PTI coming up straight after this break. Time for the regular formalities and happy birthday this week to Israel Folau. The Waratahs turning 24. Now I want you to give him a grade so far on his uh, rugby. C. No, he's better than that. No, he's, he's trekking. No, the graph is trending beautifully. A couple of times he's missed opportunities. I'm only giving him a pass mark just. Happy anniversary this week to the Olympics. This week, back in 1896, the modern Olympics were born. When the Athens Games officially opened, we have been to everyone since. Can you remember our last gold medalist? The last person who's won a gold medal at the Olympics in London. Uh, no, who was it? It was the cyclist Anamirs. Anamirs. Who was the first Olympian? Uh, Edwin Flack. Edwin Flack. Now for the big finish <laughs> this week. I the win. V8s are back on the track and the Tasmanian 360. <laughs> Lowndes and Wink Cup. Lowndes and oh, Wink Cup. <laughs> who can catch them this week? No one. Uh, the A-League gets <laughs> underway, the finals this weekend. Who makes the grand final? Uh, <laughs> Wanderers and uh, victory. Oh, and for the Sporting Bet Best Bets of the Week, I do like Collingwood to take care of Carlton this week. And Manly over Canterbury for me. And the Sporting Bet guys think the West Coast Eagles in a close one over Hawthorne in the biggest game of the weekend. That's it. Don't forget, it's not too late to get in on the tipping action at footytips.com.au. I think I'm in front of you. Russell Barwick is my name. His is Sam Kekovic. And, and as, as always, always, you know it makes sense. sense. How about that? We didn't even rehearse that. What about that? How's that? Beautiful. It's taken 10 years and we finally got it right. <laughs>